Another year, another spooky season. This Halloween, people in China took up new routes to mock authorities. From state health workers to surveillance cameras and Winnie the Pooh, trick-or-treaters got creative with their costumes. A startling confession from the Chinese embassy in Seoul, admitting to pressuring South Korean theaters to cancel an American performance. You guys do not respect the Korean, uh, South Korean sovereignty. We just tell them the truth that they don't know. China calling for global cooperation and sharing AI technology. That's as world intelligence chiefs warn that it could grease the wheels for China's intellectual property theft. Look back on Tuesday's Halloween festivities. While American kids were going door to door to hunt for candy, people in China were letting their creativity flourish with fancy costumes. Some even dressed up to mock authorities while police looked on. NTD's Sam Wang has more. After years of draconian pandemic lockdown measures, Halloween in China has finally been resurrected from the dead. On Tuesday, partygoers dressed in costumes flooded the streets of Shanghai marking the city's largest gathering in almost a year. Though all COVID-19 restrictions are now lifted, those who endured them seemingly haven't let their frustration with them go. <laughs> How about some free healthcare services? Here's a reveler dressed as a pandemic worker conducting PCR tests to a dinosaur. And no one can get away with not wearing a mask, not even the spooky twins from the 1980 horror film The Shining. <laughs> Images circulating online showed a woman draped in sheets of paper in reference to the white paper protest against the Chinese regime's censorship during lockdowns. And watch your back, because a surveillance camera is keeping a close eye on what's happening while being closely watched by authorities. Don't forget to say hello to Winnie the Pooh. You won't get to see him very often in China. The cartoon was banned by the regime after many compared the character to Chinese leader Xi Jinping. But it was all fun and games until police stepped in. Some ended up getting taken away by authorities for their costumes or simply for drawing a crowd. The last big gathering in Shanghai happened last November when thousands across the country railed against the regime's zero COVID lockdown. Protests in China are rare since those who speak out against the CCP often meet with retaliation from authorities. But calls of dystopia aside, at least the city still has Batman. Sam Wang, NTD News. South Korea is lowering the curtain on an American performance. Major theaters in Seoul now declining to host Shen Yun, a New York-based arts group that offers a glimpse of China before communism. Our investigation reveals that the Chinese embassy in Seoul has admitted to, quote, advising theaters to cancel the show. In a recorded phone call, the embassy spokesperson spoke not only about intervening, but also defaming the company. Here's what he said that the Chinese embassy has been informing the Korean side of Chinese position against the, the Shenmue performance. Actually, so do you guys do not respect the Korean, uh, South Korean sovereignty in terms of uh, respecting fundamental human dignity and freedom of expression? No, we respect their, their sovereignty. We just tell them the truth that they don't know. But there's also been uh, economic pressure through various channels uh, threatening Korean entities and, and, and government-related uh, theaters. It, it's just, it's beyond just letting them no, know. No, no, we never like threaten them or I think the, the, the thing you said is like uh, out of the truth. 
But what's the truth about the arts group? Here's what we know. Shen Yun describes its mission as to revive China's five millennia old traditional culture, which has been largely destroyed under decades of communist rule. The group's performers also practice Falun Gong, a meditation discipline that's persecuted by the Chinese regime. Some of the company's members say they personally fled religious persecution or have family members imprisoned in China. The embassy spokesperson went on to say they will continue to urge the South Korean government to cancel the show. So your, your official policy is still to advise um, the South Korean government to uh, not allow Shen Yun in their country? We just suggest them they should uh, know more about the truth about the Shen Yun performing arts. We just uh, introduce the, the truth of the Shen Yun performing arts and also the Falun Gong. Okay. And what is the truth about Falun Gong? Well, you know, Falun Gong is uh, an anti-social organization seriously violates human rights. How does Falun Gong violate human rights? Well, I have a meeting like five minutes later, so I don't think I have too much time to explain the, the, too much about Falun Gong. Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a peaceful cultivation practice based on the principles of truth, compassion, and tolerance. It was once promoted by Beijing and state media as part of a nationwide Qigong movement for health and well-being. That's until the Chinese regime turned the state against the practice in 1999 and started mass jailing and torturing the group. Shen Yun now tours in nearly 200 cities and 20 countries every year where Beijing's campaigns to censor the show have failed. China is willing to enhance communication with all sides on AI regulation. That's according to China's Vice Minister of Science and Technology, Wu Jiaohui. At the Global Artificial Intelligence Summit in Britain, Wu said all nations have the right to develop and use the advanced technology. He also called for, quote, global cooperation to share AI knowledge and make AI technologies available to the public. China has been pushing for its own rules governing generative AI. The distinct form of AI is trained to create human-like written and visual content. World intelligence leaders have warned about China's intellectual property theft and say the risk is even bigger with help from the technology. We worry about AI as a, uh, an amplifier for uh, all sorts of misconduct uh, taking right now, but in fairly short order, we're going to be seeing AI taking the varsity level athletes and taking them to a whole other level of dangerousness. Meanwhile, major Chinese tech giants are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into the Chinese rival to OpenAI, the owner of ChatGPT. Chinese search engine giant Baidu is launching a paid version of its ChatGPT rival called ErnieBot. Available starting Wednesday, access to the tool costs $8 a month. ErnieBot is powered by artificial intelligence. It can summarize documents, help write analysis, and even produce human-like live streamers to advertise products. At least six other Chinese companies have launched their own chatbots. The technology has given way to concerns that the Chinese Communist Party could direct the companies that create it to help promote its influence. Two North American luxury goods companies have cut their annual forecasts amid weak demand in China. 
Estee Lauder's shares tumbled as much as 21% on Wednesday, hitting an over six-year low. And Canada Goose's stock shed 10%. Estee Lauder is one of the globe's biggest cosmetic companies. L'Oreal owns the brand and has indicated that inflation and economic turmoil are still curbing spending post-pandemic, especially in China. China imports huge amounts of grain every year, and this year, orders are getting even higher. Rain damage to its domestic crop, plus worries over drought in other countries, are fueling Beijing's appetite for wheat. This year, China is set to import record volumes of the grain, up to 12 million tons. It marks a 20% surge from last year, with Australia and France remaining China's top sources. A top meeting between the U.S. and China now confirmed for this month. The White House has confirmed that President Biden will meet with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in San Francisco. That's on the sideline of the APEC summit. Here's more. The White House says the goal is to have constructive conversations through the details of the meeting. The details of the meeting are still being ironed out. The president said he's looking forward uh, to meeting uh, to meeting uh, with President Xi. It's going to be a constructive meeting. The already strained U.S.-China relationships has become even more intense in recent days. The Israel-Hamas conflict added a new dimension alongside other issues of debates with Beijing, like intellectual property theft and threat of an invasion of Taiwan. We've been very clear. Our policy uh, and how we move forward with China hasn't changed. Uh, this is intense competition, right, that we have said that we want to uh, to move forward with, with China. We understand that. And intense competition means uh, intense diplomacy. That's what you're going to see. So the meeting will mark Biden and Xi's first face-to-face -face talks in almost a year. Biden has not hosted the Chinese leader on U.S. soil since he took office. A Republican congresswoman's new bill pushing to defund the United Nations Human Rights Council. That's unless it condemns the Hamas terrorist group. The Stand with Israel Act was introduced by Florida Republican Anna Paulina Luna. It received bipartisan support. In a press release, Luna said that condemning one of history's deadliest attacks against the Jewish people should not be a heavy lift for the U.N., Introduction of the bill coincided with calls for the resignation of U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. It follows a speech that some have interpreted as justifying the actions of Hamas. On Tuesday, Luna pointed out on X, formerly Twitter, that China sits on the U.N. Human Rights Council, despite the ongoing persecution of Uyghur Muslims and failing to condemn the October 7th attack by Hamas. On a side note, Iran is set to become the chair of a United Nations Human Rights Forum on Thursday. The Iranian regime was appointed to host the social forum of the Human Rights Council back in May. The appointment to chair the forum could still be overturned. Though the UN would have to hold a special meeting before Thursday. Many are now calling for that to happen, including the UN Watch. Coming up from private businesses to state affairs, communist ideology appears to be infiltrating more and more of South Korea. How did this shift begin and who enabled it? NTD's congressional correspondent Melina Weiskup spoke with Suzanne Schult, president of Defense Forum Foundation, to find out. More on that after the break here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. From local theaters to the National Assembly, the specter of communism appears to be reaching new spheres in South Korea. What sparked the ideological shift? And why should freedom-loving people around the world be concerned? NTD's congressional correspondent, Melina Weiskup, sat down with Suzanne Schult, president of Defense Forum Foundation, for more. Joining me now is Suzanne Schulte, who is the president of Defense Forum Foundation. Thank you so much for your time. Good to be here. So I want to talk with you about uh, your organization specifically. Part of what they do is they inform policymakers of ish defense issues, not only in America, but also our allied nations. So I want to ask you about the extent of the CCP's infiltration, and if you could specifically in South Korea. Well, I think it's really important for your audience to know that South Korea almost elected a communist in the last election. Uh, back um, last, last year in March, it was the closest election in presidential, South Korean presidential history between uh, Yoon Suk-yeol, who won, and uh, Lee Jae-myung, who was a Democratic candidate. But he's not a Democratic candidate in the classic sense of being a Democrat. He is a pro-communist candidate. Mm. And he almost won as far as the, the growth of the communist threat in China, in America is pretty is pretty strong as well. But I think people need to understand a liberal democracy like South Korea almost elected a pro-communist candidate in the last election. Specifically, one of the messages that Shin Yun portrays is people coming out of that religious and spiritual suppression, sort of a message of hope in the face of tyranny. So with that being said, why do you think it's so important for democratic countries like South Korea to be preserving the freedom of expression, especially in the arts? In South Korea, I, I was horrified to learn about the problem. This is a performance that they were trying to show to people in South Korea that celebrates Chinese culture. And I think it's absolutely vitally important. That's just one aspect. It's one of the most important freedom is freedom of expression, freedom of religion. It's the most important freedom. I think that's why the founding fathers made it number one, because that is the most important thing. Freedom of expression, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. And when you see a suppression for somebody not to be able to put on a performance, that is the you know, fundamental human right. It's the number one most important thing. So does it surprise you that Korean theaters have turned down a world-class performing arts company like Shin Yoon? Yes, I was shocked. Frankly, I was shocked. But I think that this is an illustration of how bad things are in South Korea. And we do have a president, President Yoon, and the international community and those that love and embrace freedom need to do everything they can to help President Yoon because President Yoon has been speaking out boldly about freedom and human rights. But we have to understand that he is facing a divided country. The Korean National Assembly is controlled by the pro-communists in South Korea. And the Democratic Party there is a pro-communist party. And they passed, just to give you an example, and because it goes right to the point you're making about freedom of expression, the South Korean Assembly passed legislation several years ago that banned leafleting, that banned balloon launches, that banned the uh, sharing of information across the border into North Korea. Why did they do that? Because the Kim Jong-un regime demanded that the South Korean government turn off the loudspeakers at the DMZ and also stop the flow of information across the border, which was being done by North Korean defectors. So in a way, it's shocking that this is happening in South Korea, but when we understand the environment there, 
Well, I want to ask you then, what are some solutions? Because it seems like it, there needs to be a big change within that assembly if they are to actually make changes to try to, you know, opposing this infiltration by the CCP. So what do you think that Korean people should do or even uh, high or low level government officials? How should they address this issue? Well, we need to, um, to speak out on these issues. Uh, I think what you're doing on this performance and highlighting the fact that this is happening in South Korea, we need to speak out about this. This is a, South Korea is a very, uh, one of, well, basically our, one of our most important allies in Asia. And so we need to be speaking out in the international community needs to be speaking out this to uphold the rights of the citizens of South Korea. Uh, but also remember, uh, we need to focus on the fact that there is an election coming up in April that's going to determine the, how much Yoon is able to do to advance freedom. So we need to really focus attention on that and call on our South Korean friends that care about freedom and human rights to really pay attention to this election because it's going to be critical for the future of the Republic of Korea. So how would you explain um, to Americans the heart of the Korean people that you speak with in regards to how they view morals and how they may or may not view this, this art show? I think it's very much what we're ha what's happening in America, that you have a division between people that are actually engaged in, you have a pro-freedom and a pro-communist, uh, and, that, and that's happening all over the world right now. Which future do you want? You want a dark place like the North Korea? Because the Korean Peninsula is a beautiful illustration of the difference between what it's like to live under communism and what it's like to live under a, a republic. So um, I think just making sure that we're speaking out about these things and calling attention to them, as, as you're doing, um, but just realizing that we have to reach the younger people in South Korea, because I think that's where the divide is. I think there's a lot of misinformed, misled young people, just like in our country, that need to be, um, that need to be awakened to the truth. The truth of what specifically? Could you speak to the difference in the values between the Chinese Communist Party, the North Korean regime, and that of freedom and democracy that well, they, may or not, they may not be able to see through? Yeah, well, I think that um, there's this ignorance about what communism is. And it's basically a soul-sucking <laughs> destruction of the human spirit and bringing people into a terrible darkness. The South Korean ruling party signed an agreement with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, National Assembly has exhibited a bust of Mao Zedong calling him a savior. <laughs> Confucius Institutes in South Korea promote Chinese Communist Party's propaganda. Seoul Busan cities celebrate the founding of China, but not the foundation of South Korea's armed forces. So we have got to hit these things head on, and we've got to speak the truth, and we've got to reach out to our young people to give them a very clear uh, understanding of what communism is. Thank you, Suzanne, for your time. Sure thing. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.